Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Great to have you again on Digital Voices. As you know, Digital Voices is all about the voice of the chief digital officer across the health and life sciences, everything from payers and providers and pharma to big tech, and of course, the patient and technology. And today, we're going to go a little bit deeper into some of the technology side. And I'm really excited about our guest today for a number of reasons. She has such a unique uh, background. One is that she's from Azerbaijan originally. And so one of my dearest friends, uh, our couple, uh, couples that are in our lives are from Azerbaijan. And I remember at the last Olympics when Azerbaijan came in, I think uh, there was a gentleman, I think he came in shirtless from holding the flag and he became the darling of everyone watching the Olympics because, you know, of his stature and whatnot. And uh, I thought it was a great way uh, to represent. But Tatiana also was a professional chess player, which is fascinating and played under some of the greats in chess. And at Tech Mahendra, we actually have this big chess program with uh, the leaders of the chess world today that we started during the, uh, the pandemic. And so I don't want to steal any more thunder and really allow Tatiana to introduce a little bit more about herself and all of the creative things that she has done thus far in her career. So welcome, Tatiana. to be on this program. And I think you pretty much stated it well. You know, I was uh, born and grew up in Azerbaijan. And I was professional chess player for most of my life back then. Um, um, was like twice USSR chess champion and five times champion of Azerbaijan. Was lucky enough to play for the uh, for the country and uh, with amazing people such as Garry Kasparov. Um, and um, got my degree in computer sciences and worked in Academy of Sciences back in um, Baku. And um, then I ended up in California, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where um, I was lucky enough to do, you know to do a variety of different things. That's probably one of the books that will be published, but. Uh, the highlights will be joining Pricewaterhouse and um, being in, like, in a very senior role in SAP practice and was fortunate enough to um, help on intersection of technology and business processes with SAP deployments at, I would say, Fortune 50, working with C-level executives. Uh, that was very educational, transformational, and uh, very important in my career. Yeah. And then 2000, I was doing, you know, kind of different startups. Yeah. So you're very creative because if anyone wants to look you up, I, I think probably the best way to find you is on LinkedIn. And uh, all of the startups that you've uh, created, uh, it's, it's just amazing. And we hope to learn a little bit about all your experiences. So what, what's your favorite kind of music? That's the first question we ask all of our guests. What, what kind of music do you like to listen to? 
I think I like like classic rock. Yeah, because like Queen. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, I love Queen. Uh, one of my top uh, five bands uh, for sure. Because you know, I find it so interesting when I think about your career and, and who you are putting together the pieces of computer science and chess, which actually makes sense, right? And and then then when you add in people's you know the creativity and the music, uh, it, it's pretty. Fascinating. So I'm I'm curious, Tatiana, do you still play chess? Is it still something you enjoy doing? I enjoy chess. Um, unfortunately, I don't have too much time to do it, but it's constantly on the back of my mind. I really want to go back, and especially now when I watched like Queen Gambit. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, that's my life. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's fascinating. I, I, I could spend the whole time just talking to you about that because I think that would be really intriguing, just what that was like to be a, a national chess champion playing at the world champion level. And like you said, like under Gary Kasparov and, and other very well-known chess players. So what are some of the highlights of your career? Wow, you just described many of them and many of the things that you were able to do. Is there one or two things that you look back on at this point, I know you still have a long trajectory to go, but are there a couple of things that you look back on today? It's like, wow, I'm really, I'm really proud of the team, you know, when we did this or, you know, had some sort of impact. Um, yeah, I really like one of the startups that I think I like them. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that I, I was, um, I was part of a startup in AI space back, you know, many years ago when we removed any mentions of AI from description of the startup. It was at the times where AI was bad. So we used machine learning and natural language processing and case-based reasoning and did real well. But we had to remove all the mentions <laughs> of AI. <laughs> We ended up selling that company, but it was just funny how times yeah. change. And, um, and when people talk about AI, you know, it was like, people, that's not new. Right. <laughs> there are certain things that have changed and enabled more advanced uh, applications of AI, but it's not necessarily new from a technology point of view. Yeah, so today you're involved, your latest creation, right, Open Health Networks and Constant Care. So what led to the creation of Open Health Networks and the relationship with Constant Care? That's a real good question. This, um, I, um, I was fortunate or unfortunate in, enough to get cancer. Hmm. And at that time, when you get that, it's kind of, you know, changes your life, right? Colon cancer. Gosh, should I plan my funeral, you know? And um, it was it was very difficult for me to even digest yeah. this. And at that time, I was like, okay, I'm not doing random stuff. I will just focus on things that matter. And uh, I started Open Cancer Network that became Open Health Network. Mm. And my initial kind of company idea was to get 360 degrees of any type of data that uh, impact, um, you know, 
chronic disease such as cancer. And I realized certain data sets were missing from that 360 degrees picture, such as patients reported in uh, contextual like lifestyle and so on. Anyway, and that was where I decided, okay, you know, we'll, you know, change from open cancer network, which was, you know, facing patient thing to open health network. And um, now we are, I would say it's like fourth company that we run under the same name. Um, it evolves, you know, you pivot. So we did. And constant care, I would say it's by far the most advanced integrated framework that enables complete care coordination and management in integrated manner across all the different aspects of care, from creation of care team, integrated care team, um, enabling creation of personalized adaptive, all-inclusive care plan, meaning your diet, your exercise, your medications, telehealth, everything in between, integrating real-time with patient-facing solution and real-time integration with wearable devices and sensors to the degree where I can tell you you need to get on the treadmill. Here's a video of how you do it. Here's your target heart rate. Here's how long you need to stay in that range as an example. When you do that, we get real-time updates at the heartbeat level available to a care team. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's, as you can see, I'm uh, pretty excited about our latest kind of um, product. Yeah. Um, No, I love the passion and where it came from. I'm a fellow cancer survivor as well. So I sort of, I can appreciate uh, your point of view and where you're coming from. And I think that's awesome that you're taking all your skills and capabilities and really solving a huge problem, as you know, uh, and especially when it comes to complex care. And if, and if and very few health systems that I've run across, even the, the most wonderful health systems, they struggle with it. And there's a lot of silos and it's all well-intentioned. The people are all well-intentioned. The organizations are all well-intentioned, but they do not by and large have this ability to share the important 360 data across the continuum. And it, as a result, it can impact the quality of care and the patient experience for sure. And clearly you had that situation and that's what, you know, provided a lot of motivation and vision for doing what you've done. So thank you for doing that because it's, it's definitely a gap that exists today. Thank you. So Tatjana, you are, you know, really, leveraging and i know we talked about how it, it, it for some during certain time periods the culture isn't ready or it's like overblown and so they don't want to hear about ai or ml or things like that but the fact is that for a long time you've been a leader out there leveraging those sort of capabilities and like you talked about also uh, nlp uh, blockchain and i i'm curious from your point of view given your experience with that working with a lot of health systems is what is the pace of change in digital transformation in healthcare today? Is it uh, 
you know, slower than other industries, faster, you know, what's, what's your perspective on the state of digital transformation today? I think it's a great question. And I was fortunate enough to work across many different industries from automotive to manufacturing, hospitality, um, high tech, you name it. I was involved at every single business process. Healthcare by far is, I would say, late adopter and um, not necessarily innovative. Uh, and I can't blame healthcare, healthcare people. It's just the way the system is set up, you know? Right. Uh, if you look at any other industry, and I worked with CMO of like in chief CTOs of Fortune 50, right? Or you can go to CFO and look at KPIs and ROIs and introduce something that it's clearly will impact those. Well, tell me the measurements that you will look right. at in healthcare, right? So, so even you see this amazing people who do want to make changes so that they impact. They're all kind of tight within the system, within processes. They can't justify doing things. And um, so it's, I would say, by far the most difficult industry to work with. And I would drop it if I wouldn't have, you know, the, uh, the reason to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Drucker, Peter Drucker, was famously known to have said that he's worked with across all industries, and healthcare is by far the most complex, and especially academic health healthcare, and it is complex for a wide variety of reasons. So, what? And I agree with you. I think we are behind, but not because of the people. It's just lo the most lovely people in the world are drawn to healthcare and wanting to make change and do things, but just the the innate culture that's been developed over hundreds of years. What what might be some ideas? And one, I'm gonna, I'll start off with one because you already mentioned it. What are some ideas of how healthcare might accelerate digital transformation despite the complexity? So one idea that you just gave us a clue on was learning from other industries, right? So like you were saying, you could work with a CFO from another industry or any C-suite member and they, and they will tell you exactly what their KPIs are what they measure, where, where they are today on that measurement. And so we can really learn a lot from other industries and how they've uh, adopted technology. Are there, are there any other sort of best practices that you might suggest based on all your experiences that healthcare adopts to maybe speed things up a little bit more? I look from, you know, my experience, you know, on business processor engineering and complex system deployment side, um, meaning that you need, you need to look at, you know, business processes and you need to be able to create 2B picture. And from as is to 2B, it's a process, right? But if you need to outline all the aspects Jobs will change, you know, requirements will change, business processes will change, but you need to clearly identify the path. And the, the thing that is happening, as you can see, primary care is getting disrupted 
by yeah. outside of and unfortunately it seems like if large healthcare organizations will not start bringing people who have this cross industry background who can really introduce innovative but reasonable ways of transformation they will be disrupted from outside so either they will disrupt themselves in the most meaningful and um, reasonable way, or they will be disrupted. Yeah, you know, I, you, you sound just like <laughs> me. I, I, that's been something I've been sharing for a while, is like, we have to make change now. So, you know, sometimes you need a catalyst. Like you might get, you might be, have cancer. Hopefully people don't, but you might get cancer and that might be a catalyst, right? A, a big disruption to say, I need to change the way I'm living. You know, maybe there's something in the way you're living uh, that you want to change and it provides a catalyst. And I think the catalyst in healthcare is here as well. And that is the fact that if we don't change, we're already being disrupted. And, and, and now it's a matter of holding on to what we have and then accelerating from there. Because, you know, whether it's, I can give so many examples as could you, uh, whether it's uh, my, my peers on the payer side coming into primary care uh, certainly on the retail side, uh, we need to, we need to adopt change. We, we need to go a little faster. So I think that's right. So, so bringing in other people to be members of your team that have cross industry experience and they can bring some of the key learnings that they maybe learned 10 years ago and help really accelerate, uh, change in healthcare. And so it's great to hear it from your point of view as an entrepreneur and, uh, sort of a, a, a very creative, type of uh, individual. So that kind of leads into uh, this question about how should the C-suite best prepare for the future? What actions might they take? So one, so these, these, this question naturally blends from the last one where we talked about, hey, bring in people from other industries, learn from other industries. But what are some other things that if you were a member of the C-suite of a health system and based on your experience as a patient and now as, you know, as this entrepreneur with very advanced thinking, what should the C-suite be thinking about doing? Um, I would say, you know, number one that I would love to do is to interview members of the C-suite with few questions. And I can guarantee that you will realize there is a disalignment in terms of priorities. Because I doubt they ever, you know, went back and looked at the baseline on what we're doing, why, why we're doing, how we're doing, and where we need to go from here. So you need to realign everything. But then if you as a C-suite, you went through that exercise, then you need to be able to map it and march it back to every single practitioner. Now, the issue is, the fundamental issue is that we treat disease, we don't treat people. Mm. You you can't imagine how many times, you know, I work with the specialists and clearly there is a whole bunch of comorbidities or things that in specialists need to be involved. However, if I'm in a cancer center, I don't want to see your data related to your kidney function, something else. No, 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 no. 
you know, I'm responsible for your chemo, like as an example. Now, how you can start making changes that make sense? We all talk about people's centricity, patient centricity, and we're still treating, you know, disease, And this is fundamental, right? Yeah, these are profound. So if I can, yeah, yeah, if if I can summarize, the first was the misalignment, and you're absolutely right, Tatiana. uh, We had, we did this experiment where I came from, and we have a Harvard, uh, Harvard Business School professor who helped me, and we cover it on a different pod, so I won't go into, into it deeply. But I thought our organization, we were completely aligned. And when we did this, uh, something very simple uh, experiment to check our alignment, we were completely out of alignment. This is a foremost, world foremost institution where we talk about all the alignment, you know, vision, mission, uh, mission, you know, objectives, key results. You would think we had it together and we were really good, but we were really misaligned. So, so it's, so I think I'm afraid that most organizations, the reason I give that example is not to say anything negative about that organization. Cause I think it's just like any other, it's really to point out the fact that even though you think you are aligned, you're probably not. And there's simple experiments yeah. you can do uh, to figure out that you're not the, the second thing is that you're right. We are a disease centric culture, not a patient or person centric culture and it's huge right like the example you gave (laughs) that totally fundamental and the good news is we are giving lip service to it now right we're we're hiring chief patient experience officers we're focusing more on the and the experience but until we shift that fundamental mindset that okay experience is good but that doesn't mean that we're really patient-centric and looking at the whole person uh, you've got to do both and uh, that that that's gold. So if there's like those are two great takeaways uh, uh, for me, good reminders, and hopefully for our audience, really to focus that way. Because oftentimes too, then we get fixated, like especially CDOs like myself, we'll get fixated maybe on the technology. It's like, hey, look at this cool thing, and then we're missing it again. It's not about the technology; it's about the yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 completely opposed to anything that's super niche. This. At the end of the day, I can guarantee that overall outcomes will no, not improve. If you look at how we've been engaged with digital health in outcome numbers for diseases, nothing has yeah. changed. So either we ignore and continue running those accelerators and calls for this niche thing, I, I, I just can't see that actually moving a needle on the measurements that we're all interested yeah. in. People, you know in outcomes and cost of care. But we still continue doing the same thing and expect different outcomes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tatiana, <laughs> this has been extremely enlightening conversation as I, I figured it would be. You're, you're a, a very amazing uh, person. As we wrap up, is there any last thing that you'd like to share with our audience? Anything that we may have missed or maybe double down on something we already spoke about? Um. I think, you know, I'm excited to work in healthcare. I'm excited about capabilities. And I'm sure that, you know, based on my experiences, 
fortunate enough to work with amazing people, with amazing healthcare organizations and things we're working on. Some of them have been published, some of them have not. But so that brings me a big hope that things will be happening. I wish they can happen, you know, faster, but I understand complexities. So my goal is not uh, to sell something. My goal is to work with leadership to enable them to do the right thing yeah. for themselves, you know, for patients. In uh, you know, I pass that kind of stage, you know, get rich fast and push and sell. I'm not in that game. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in working with leaders, uh, innovators, but really people who really want to make an impact. Love that. Tatiana, thank you so much for being our guest. I'm going to make sure I connect you with our chess league. So we did launch, as I mentioned, an international chess league back in February of this year. And maybe it's something that you might be interested in. And maybe someday we'll have a chance to have a coffee together and play a little chess. And I'm sure you'll beat me in about three moves. Uh, so that would be kind of fun to do. But thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.